If you would, please join me in taking out your Bibles and turning to Philippians chapter 3, as well as uh, taking out your Trinity hymnal and turn to page 845 so you can have the Apostles' Creed uh, with easy access to that. In fact, please do uh, join me in prayer as we go to God's Word. Let's pray. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, may your Word before us be our rule. May your Holy Spirit be our teacher. And may your greater glory be our supreme concern. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. If you're looking at the Apostles' Creed, uh, go down to that third section and notice that the Apostles' Creed speaks of the resurrection of the body. It's not referring to the resurrection of Jesus because that topic has already been covered. And it doesn't say the resurrection of the dead. Rather, it speaks of the resurrection of the body. Now, Keep that in mind, that that's an important enough thing to say in the Apostles' Creed. Uh, Remember, there's only two other folks other than the Trinity that's mentioned in the Apostles' Creed, right? The Virgin Mary and and Pontius Pilate. It's significant that what is mentioned is mentioned. And here we see the resurrection of the body. Now back to the body. Uh, The world around us has a lot to say about the body. You know, on my drive here, I I pass by um, L.A. Fitness, right? L.A. Fitness. And and some of you have seen Planet Fitness. And there are a number of CrossFit gyms all around our area. Um, And yet there's a local, non-franchised fitness center that's got a great name, Better Bodies. Better Bodies. What a great name for a fitness center because that's what they're looking to help you achieve, right? In fact, on their website of Better Bodies, it says this, welcome, we have everything you need to become a healthier, happier, and better you. Our wide variety of fun and fitness makes it easy for you to find exactly what you need to accomplish your goals, whether they be increasing your heart-healthy cardio weekly, weight loss, building muscle, or just simply to have more fun. That's better bodies. That's why they exist. Well, the world around us has a lot to say about the body, but as we will see, So does the Bible. So does the Bible. We're here at week 13 in our series, Christian, What Do You Believe? An Exposition of the Apostles' Creed. Now remember, this Apostles' Creed is subordinate to and under the authority of the Scriptures. But yet, it's an important for us because it helps us summarize and organize the teachings of Scripture. In fact, our finite minds are limited. And so the Apostles' Creed is a great help to bring together the basics, the fundamentals of the Christian faith. It summarizes the teaching of the Apostles. By no means does it exhaust it. 
And as we've been saying, when we say I believe, we don't mean faith in faith, but faith rather in the faith, the faith that was once delivered for the saints. We've been seeing these weeks that having this creed as a part of our worship service helps us and it, it promotes personal humility because we are just joining a crowd of witnesses before us and witnesses that will come after us. It puts us down to size. It helps us to commend the faith, to promote the faith, but also to defend the faith. And as we say, I believe in concert, in unison, it helps to promote church unity. It serves to strengthen our faith. Because we need to be reminded of what we know, what we believe. There are many things that you and I don't know, but there are some things that we know for sure, without a doubt. Things that both anchor and power our lives. And the topic of the resurrection of the body is no exception. As we will see, it will both anchor and power our lives. We've seen in the Apostles' Creed that it sets forth the doctrine of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It sets forth the basic economy of redemption and the historical facts of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. We see now in this third section that starts off, I believe in the Holy Spirit, that um, it moves from salvation accomplished to the application of that work by the Holy Spirit. This third section of which the resurrection of the body is a part is is a job description of the Holy Spirit, the powerful but quiet working of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, the Holy Spirit brings about the new community, the church, the new relationship, forgiveness of sins, the new existence, the resurrection of the body, the new destiny, everlasting life. We see the community of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, and we're getting now into the hope of the Spirit. A few weeks ago, we looked at the church being both the Holy Catholic Church and the communion of saints. Last week, we looked at the forgiveness of sins. Today, it's the resurrection of the body. And next week will be everlasting life in the new heavens and earth. Well, we won't be able to say everything about the resurrection of the body, but we will say something. Join with me now as I read Philippians 3, beginning in verse 7 through chapter 4, verse 1. The Apostle Paul is speaking. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, 
but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in any and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that to you also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Well, for the next few minutes, we're going to unpack the clause, the resurrection of the body, by considering that when we affirm that these five words are true and what we believe, we are saying that we believe in the problem of death, the need for a new body, and the provision of a new body. Or, let's put these three points a bit more personally. Death is a problem for us. We need a new and better body. And by faith, we trust that we will be given a new and better body. The body. Think about it with me. The Bible and the material world. Think about Genesis 1 and 2. God created. And what did he say? It was good. It was good. It was good. God created both the seen and the unseen. The material, the physical, and, and the spiritual. And it was good. Now, interestingly, some people in our world today and for, for all of history think that the physical is all there is, right? That all life is what you can see and touch and taste. The physical is all there is. But others say, interestingly, that the physical is bad. The physical is evil. It's interesting that you see that in our world, almost two opposite views, and yet... God's word is clear. God made stuff. He's the creator of things, material things, and he pronounced it good. Now, before we get into these three points, uh, I want us to notice, first of all, that the announcement of new and better bodies that you heard from this passage in Philippians, that you heard in 1 Corinthians 15, is good news. It's not just good news for the there and then of the future, but the here and now as well. It's 
good news about the future that has significant influence on the present. Look with me at the ending of our text from Philippians. Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, what does Paul say? Stand firm, thus in the Lord. Stand firm, thus in the Lord. And, and Stan, a few moments ago, read 1 Corinthians 15, a large section. And I had him stop at verse 57, but listen to how that text continues. Verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Do you see that? This good news about the resurrection of the body, as we will see, helps us persevere. It helps us maintain patient endurance to the end. Because you see, we live in the present based on what has happened in the past and what is promised in the future. And we see in Scripture and we know by faith of the future guarantee of the resurrection of the body. Okay, with that said, let's now consider the problem, the need, and the provision. First, the problem of death. The problem of death. Death is a problem that all of us face. Uh, just like we had to take a look at what is sin when we consider the forgiveness of sins, we've got to speak briefly about death when we look at the resurrection of the body. You see, death is not the way it is supposed to be. Death is not natural. It's not the way things were designed. Death is common. Death is inevitable. Benjamin Franklin, of course, said, nothing is certain but death and taxes. Muhammad Ali grew up in Louisville as Cassius Clay. He said this, I'm scared of no one, but only scared of death. Woody Allen says this, I'm not afraid of death. I just don't want to be there when it happens. You see, my friends, as I mentioned from this very place Saturday a week ago at a memorial service, death is an ugly and evil intruder into the good and perfect world that God created. Indeed, because of the fall of man into sin, our lives and our world is in so many ways miserable. Here's how Westminster Shorter Catechism 19 states it. What is the misery of that estate whereinto man fell? All mankind by their fall lost communion with God, are under his wrath and curse, and so made liable to all the miseries of this life, to death itself, and to the pains of hell forever. Death is part of the curse as a result of sin. Death is the great inevitable but for many people, it is the great unmentionable. And two basic strategies that the world uses to deal with death is either to deny death on the one hand or to sentimentalize it on the other, to make light of it. Death is not a friend. It is an enemy. And as you heard read earlier, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. And one way to look at death is death is separation of the soul and the body. Some of you may be familiar with a term, the intermediate state. It's a, it's a term that helps 
explain what happens between the time of a believer's death and the time of the return of Jesus when there will be a resurrection of the dead. And our shorter catechism is helpful as well when it says, what benefits do believers receive from Christ at death? It answers this, the souls of believers are at their death made perfect in holiness and do immediately pass into glory and their bodies being still united to Christ do rest in their graves till the resurrection. The bodies, as we just heard, are resting as it were, more like decaying until the resurrection. So the problem of death makes it clear that something has to happen to our dead and decaying body. But not just a repair job, rather an extreme makeover. And so secondly, there's a need for a new body. We all need a new and better body. Now you kids out there, you young ones with a lot of strength and energy and vigor... These words may not mean a lot to you, but for some of us, when we think about life right now, we think about a decline. We think about a decay. As we just heard from Eric about a neighbor, there's disease and eventually death. Death is unexpected. Death is expected. Our bodies decline They decay, they're ravaged with disease, and they die. And yet, in the scriptures is the doctrine of the resurrection. It's the Old Testament hope in Job, in Psalms, in Isaiah, Daniel, Ezekiel. It's the New Testament hope as well. Jesus often got into discussions with the Pharisees and at times with the Sadducees. And the Pharisees believed in the resurrection. And the Sadducees didn't believe. And at the... uh, time of Lazarus' death when Jesus went to the home of Mary and Martha, we hear Martha say that, yes, I know that, that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So Martha knows about this coming resurrection. And she's also going to hear Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life. There's also a doctrine not only of the resurrection, but the teaching and the truth of the resurrection of the body. Our shorter catechism goes on. What do believers, what benefits do believers receive from Christ at the resurrection? At the resurrection, believers raised up in glory shall be openly acknowledged and acquitted in the day of judgment and made perfectly blessed in the full enjoying of God to all eternity. Did you hear that? The full enjoying of God to all eternity body and soul, reunited, perfected. Because you see, death is disintegration. Body and soul are torn apart. And yet at resurrection, body and soul are reunited. A new body to go with a perfected soul. Paul writes in Romans 8, 22 and 23, For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly 
as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Did you hear that? Paul is acknowledging that for the Christian, there is an inward groan that our very bodies, part of us, is going to be redeemed, made new, made glorious, made perfect. Our need for a new body has been met, has been met. And so we have the provision of a new body. In other words, we will be given a new and better body. Look with me again at Philippians 3.21. We are waiting for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And what will Jesus do? He will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body by the power that enables Him even to subject all things to Himself. Paul says in Romans, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. He goes on to say, we will also, that we will also be given life to our mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells with us. And as we heard from 1 Corinthians, it's a long chapter about the resurrection of Christ, the resurrection of the dead, the resurrection of the body, and it ends with mystery and victory. In 1 Corinthians 15, we see that the resurrection body is going to be recognizably the same. There's going to be continuity between the mortal and the immortal. Jesus was eventually recognized. The risen Christ was recognized. But at first, there was evidently a profound difference. There was a discontinuity. He was not recognized. And as Paul indicates, uh, the resurrection of our bodies is tied to the resurrection of Christ's bodies. Now I want us to look for a few moments at 1 Corinthians 15 verses 42 through 44. Because here Paul makes distinctions between the present body that we have and the new body that we will have. He uses that analogy of the difference between a seed and a plant. He'll say that our present body is perishable or corruptible, dishonorable, weak and natural. And yet our new body will be incorruptible or imperishable, glorious, powerful and spiritual. Let's run through these Real quick, verse 42. So it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. Imperishable, not subject any longer to decline, to decay, and death. And we continue to read, It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. The new body will be glorious. It will be weighty and heavy. A good word to describe what that body will be like is gravitas. In Matthew 13, we read this from Jesus. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. How does the world today want to shine? The beauty parlor, 
the cosmetics, the fitness facilities, the banks, the sports field, earthly shine versus the coming heavenly shine. And not only is it imperishable and glorious, but powerful. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. All of us are declining. Our bodies grow weaker. Strength and stamina fails. Our bodies are fragile and vulnerable. And yet they will be replaced by the indestructible power of a resurrection body. In 2 Corinthians uh, 5, the beginning of the chapter, uh, Paul talks about, hey, if our earthly tent is destroyed, no problem. Why? Because we have a building coming from God. And finally, this new body is not only imperishable, glorious, powerful, but it's spiritual. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. Now this can cause some confusion. Because spiritual here doesn't mean non-material or non-physical. Because Christ's post-resurrection body was indeed spiritual and it was indeed physical. Rather, it means that our new resurrection bodies will be dominated and animated entirely by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who indwells believers now will have His full and perfect way in our resurrection bodies. Because our new risen bodies will be obedient servants of all of God's desires and commands. Now the Bible doesn't tell us everything we may want to know about our new bodies. But God tells us enough, and I think just enough, to keep us walking by faith in the person and work of Christ and by faith in His promises until the time when faith gives way to sight. I would think that many of you know the name Johnny Erickson Tata. When she was a teenager back in 1967, a diving accident in the Chesapeake Bay left her a paraplegic. I think she, as I've heard her speak and read what she's written, she thinks an awful lot about her resurrection body. And I would say more than any of us think about it. And in her book, In Heaven, Your Real Home, she writes this. Now remember, children, this is a woman who cannot use her legs. She cannot use her arms. She can speak and her mind is active. And here's what she says. Somewhere within my broken, paralyzed body is the seed of what I will become. Paralysis makes what I am to be all the more grand when you contrast atrophied, useless legs against splendorous, resurrected legs. A gigantic oak tree bears no resemblance to a tiny acorn. Right now, I'm just an acorn when it comes to understanding heaven. But I can tell you, whatever my acorn shape becomes, in all its power and honor, I am ready for it. My friends, 
Are you ready for it? To be sure, there is a contentment with the way God has made us. But are you longing for the weak, dishonorable, uh, uh, perishable body to be done with? Are you longing for that day ahead when Christ returns and everything is made new, including your body? It's interesting, isn't it, how the Bible ends? Come, Lord Jesus. It's how our confession of faith, the Westminster Confession of Faith ends. Come, Lord Jesus. There's a longing for the new body. In John 11, verses 21 through 26, we read this. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? That's a good question for us too. Do we believe this? Do we believe the promise of the gospel that we will receive a new and better body? Here's Philippians 3.21 again. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. What a promise. What a promise. It's guaranteed. The gap between the already of the promise and the not yet of the promise will be closed on the day when Jesus returns. My friends, on that day, our faith will become sight. Oh, happy day, as the old spiritual says. Oh, happy day of being in the presence, both body and soul, of Jesus with imperishable, glorious, powerful, and spiritual better bodies. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word. And we thank you, Father, that as we saw in these two passages, that the truth of the resurrection of our body, the truth that we will be given new and better bodies, no longer subject to disease and decay and death, the truth of that helps us to stand firm, to be steadfast, immovable. Oh, Father, would you drive the glorious truth of this doctrine so deeply into our hearts that we would long for the day when our weak and frail bodies become strong and indestructible. Until then, Father, help us to continue to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and follow Jesus who went to the cross and the tomb for us. 
and yet has been raised from the dead. We give you thanks and praise in his name. Amen. Christ Jesus has indeed risen. He is